Hi, I'm Jen. I'm Sybil. And I'm Sophia. And welcome to Every Rom-Com, the podcast that has fun taking romantic comedies seriously. This week on Every Rom-Com, we'll discuss... A multi-Oscar winning film, which MGM was sure would flop. Chat about our favorite dialogue and supporting characters. Debate whether opera is boring. And I'll give my opinion of the new Criterion edition of the romantic comedy classic, Moonstruck. Hello, and welcome to the first ever episode of Every Rom-Com. My name is Jennifer Howell, and I am joined by two of the smartest and most interesting film fans I know, Sybil Solon and Sophia Gilbert. Thanks for joining me. Well, hello, party people. (laughs) Hi, I'm glad to be here. So um, I just want to tell a little bit about why I came up with this podcast. I love the romantic comedy genre. It features female leads and creators, but I don't think it gets sometimes the respect it deserves. And I was raised by a feminist mom, and some of the movies we enjoyed watching together when I was young were Moonstruck, that we're talking about today, Romancing the Stone, and A Room with a View. I just want to share my appreciation of these classics, but later on in the podcast, we're definitely going to discuss and critique like average and like even some really bad romantic comedies. And we also want to cover like LGBT stories, foreign stories, independent rom-coms, things you might not have seen. Um, my personal uh, history is... I'm a film minor, English major. I love analyzing texts. I used to do theater direction and acting, and I'm a big film fan. And currently I'm working on this podcast and writing a screenplay because we're in quarantine and my life has changed. Uh, So my co-hosts are also like just very interesting and talented people. So I'm going to let them introduce themselves really quick. Um, Sybil, I met in college and we actually had a film screening group together at that time. Yeah, we did. Uh, so I am Sybil, in case you don't recognize my voice yet, because this is a new new, new endeavor for us. And I'm actually an esthetician and spa owner, and I have a whole other podcast called Skinfessional. And uh, I do love movies. I was very honored to be asked to do this podcast because I love rom-coms, and I actually love romance novels as well, which is essentially- oh, girl. The- High right. Five. Yes. <laughs> Which is essentially the rom-com in a book form. Yeah. And I think that like Jennifer that these are not given enough respect. There are so many fantastic love stories that need to be told. They are uplifting the world and they're mocked terribly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, Sybil, you're actually I credit you for getting me to read romantic novels when I, we were in college together. Yay. So I yeah. try I try to spread the word of romance everywhere. It should be read all over. Actually, younger generations are actually reading romance novels now. So they're picking up, the millennials are picking up the banner. I appreciate them. I, I feel like I came out recently. Like I, I admit it now and with no shame. I'm like, heck yeah, heck yeah, trashy romance novel. I'm all over it, you know. They're not trashy. Um, they're not trashy, but it's, everyone kind of knows what you're, talking about when you say it that way but you yeah. know backpedal and be like it's like a rom-com in a book that's what yeah. i'm reading here good times 
So Sophia and I have actually known each other since high school or maybe middle school. I think high school. High school. And we both loved films. And so we talk about films and fangirl over them. And both of us have been around the world or around the country, but now we're both living in the Midwest. Yeah, we work together at the movie theater in our hometown. And um, Carmike Cinemas. Carmike, oh, so great. So great. And I credit Jennifer for being a huge you know, influence on me in film, um, you know, positive influence. Like I would stuff I never would have watched, um, had she not been like, this is awesome. Uh, let's see. I studied theater and, um, and then later on after college, I lived in Brooklyn for a long time and, um, I got to take continuing ed in filmmaking when I, uh, moved there. That was kind of like a part of the dream and goal. And then, um, I was able to take an accelerated master's in short filmmaking. I say a short program for short films. And, um, you know, I love talking about movies and I love a love story. And this is a perfect fit. Yeah, very good. And we've got New York and L.A. in the house because Sybil used to live in L.A. It's true. I'm totally California at heart, people. I'm in Vegas now, but I'm California forever. Uh, you know, Brooklyn for 13 years, but I'm here in Minnesota and I'm a stay at home mom. So yeah. let's. <laughs> well, we cover in all <laughs> angles. <laughs> so if you're listening to the podcast right now, you've obviously already found it, but just want to let you know you'll be able to find us at everyromcom.com. And you can also email us at feedback at everyromcom.com. So if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for what you'd like us to cover, please let us know. And I hope you enjoy the show. And now let's get into Moonstruck. The moon brings the woman to the man. Capisce? The moon is a little like love. Will you marry me? I will marry you. I will be your wife. Do you love him, Loretta? No. Good. When you love him, they drive you crazy. Sometimes. Why are you marrying Johnny? He's a fool. It makes you act a little crazy. Where are you taking me? To the bed. Yes. Oh, God. Okay, I don't care. I don't care. Take me. Take me to the bed. Isn't it romantic? You get a love bite on your neck. Your life's going down the toilet. You'll have your eyes open for you, my friend. I have my eyes open. I'll say no more. You haven't said anything. Oh, right, so man. That's just the taste of the trailer. I mean, Very cheesy 80s style. That's so come fantastic. It's, it's Cher in her prime. It's like, she, like before she was like straddling a boat. Come on now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did not so, get that reference. <laughs> so what is this film about? Well, Loretta is a 37-year-old widow living with her Italian family in New York. She's a mixture of practicality with a little of bit of superstition. I'd say actually a lot of superstition. <laughs> she gets engaged to a man named Johnny Camareri, whom she doesn't love, but she, you know, he's nice enough. She likes him. Johnny goes to Sicily to see his dying mother and, and asks her to invite his younger brother to, to Ronnie to the wedding. Loretta meets Ronnie sparks fly. You know how it is. And now Loretta has to choose between her head and her heart. Basic facts of the film. Uh, let's share. We, as we said in her prime, um, Nicholas Cage was very young, apparently in this film. He was 23. 23. Yeah. Wow. Um, so young. So young. Um, and the supporting cast, Olympia Dukakis, 
I love so, so much. Uh, Danny Aiello, Vincent Gardenia, the father's name, the Theodore, Charlie Oppen Jr. And uh, Julie Bavasso. She's fantastic. She's so great. Um, and written by John Patrick Shanley. This is a big deal. He's, you know, started as a theater man, still is a theater man. Um, he also wrote and I believe directed uh, what's it called? Joe versus Doubt? the volcano. Oh no. Which I'm yeah. sure we're gonna talk about at some point too. Um and he's there's a new one coming out called Wild Mountain Time. And um it's in Ireland and um feuding families, yet daughter and the son are, you know, of the opposite families are all in love and it looks amazing. And Emily Blunt is in it and I love her. And um <laughs> The guy from Fifty Shades of Grey, too, right? Yeah. I can't remember his name. Jamie Dornan. Something. That's right. Jamie Dornan. But uh, I just I love that uh, John Patrick Shanley being one, of, I feel like, one of the few who is a playwright and a screenwriter and a director and all of that. And he's been doing it for a million years and it's just fantastic. And you, you uh, can really tell, you know, you can really tell he's his playwright. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, and then Norman Jewison, the director, he also directed Fiddler on the Roof. And the Academy Award winners, Best Actress for Cher, Best Supporting Actress, Actress for Olympia Dukakis, Best Original Screenplay, John Patrick Shanley, Yes You Are. And it was nominated for Best <laughs> Picture and Best Supporting Actors for uh, for Victor Gardenia and Best Vincent, Director. Vincent, yeah. Oh, Vincent, Vincent, sorry, my bad. So Love like... It. So we love this film, as you can all tell. Like, uh, that's why I wanted to choose it first, because we're going to definitely disagree on some of the films on this podcast, but I wanted to choose something that we could all agree on and we could all love on a little bit, because this this podcast is about celebrating the genre. So like, why do we love it? Let's see. Uh, first of all, I have to say the script for me. Wow. And I think, I think, Sophia, from just the fact that you know the screenwriter, you probably agree. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, just flawless. Uh, you know, I believe in the commentary, John Patrick Shanley talks about, you know, he grew up in the Bronx and in an Irish neighborhood, but he knew also Italian families. Like yeah. he's such a, he lived these people and, yeah. and he knows them so well. And um, I, I just every bit of it um, to the, this, to the set, to the, the way their house looks like, personally why I love it is it remind it was it's a very personal family favorite um for the longest time this was the closest representation of what my family was like is like oh, yeah. um so we identified a lot with it we're we're Greek not Italian but it was you know reminded us a lot of family it is yeah. right same yeah same. yeah we're like it's it's us that's us <laughs> yeah same same yeah. same same so uh, yeah, I, I, I gotta, I gotta agree. So, um, I always found this. So it was interesting when you asked when we started doing this uh, podcast, and Jennifer's like, "I want to do Moonstruck," and I was like, "I've never actually seen Moonstruck as like a, as a rom com, but it is one of my favorite films because I also I love it as it's a very woman centric, like powerful women and mm. older women finding mm. love okay. and strength, and that's mm-hmm. what I'm all about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's why I really loved it. Yes. 
I yeah, just you wanna... care about. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh no. Yeah. Well, go ahead. You go. <laughs> I was going to say you care about all the characters. You don't just care about the main couple, and even the main couple. Cher's character is thirty-seven in the mm-hmm. movie, so that's older than most rom-com heroines. But then you also really care about her mother and her story with her husband. You know, having an affair, and you care about her aunt. And mm-hmm. her and her husband kind of having like some sexy time together. And they're the cutest couple ever. <laughs> the cutest. Like, they're they're my favorite. They're the cutest couple. Like he is just so adorable, and they've got their little you know, like butcher shop, and like they're like all they're successful, and they're just adorable. Yeah. And women are just at the center of everything. Like Sybil was saying in the film, like Loretta is just a very powerful character. Like she's when she gets proposed to, she's she's directing. Uh, Johnny Camerary had to propose to her. She's she has the choice to make in the film. Like it's there's no doubt that she's in in control. Even yeah, when she's, she feels like she's, she's not one in charge of all of this. It's not. It's and all of the women are in charge in this movie. All of the women are in charge, right? Yeah. Even 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 like Olivia Ducox's character. She, you know, she might be getting you know having an affair. The, the person might be having an affair. Her husband might be having an affair, but it doesn't matter. Because like she knows she's in charge. She says when it ends. Right. Mm. She says, I want I want you to stop seeing her. That's all she says. And he says, okay. And that's it. You know, I love that as well. Um, well, it's part of the story, right? The part of the character where like Cher is all in charge and tells Johnny what to do. Um, but when she meets Ronnie, like <laughs> all of those plans, all of mm-hmm. this, you know, go out the door. That right. is, that is true. That is true. So it's like a, but she's still she's she's still battling herself. Like it's interesting. Right. Like a lot of rom coms, like the it, it's kind of about how is the guy going to get the girl, and they don't hook up at first. But in this movie, like they get together, right. and then it's kind of like she's battling herself. It's an mm-hmm. internal battle. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Like of her different desires for practical things that you know that she doesn't feel superstitious about that she feels will work that are solid. And then for things that make absolutely no sense that she's terrified about. Yeah, because we should mention, I don't know if we mentioned her husband, her first husband in the movie had died in a bus accident, like a freak accident after they've, right. he, they've been married for like two years. So she she's convinced that she has bad luck and she's got to change that luck. Well, because she followed her passions to begin with. She didn't yeah. do the traditional thing that was expected of her. She went with her heart and it, you know all kinds of bad things happened. And um, so now she's doing it by the book. Um, But that's not her real self, as they say (laughs) in the end. Uh, My true nature does draw me to you, but I don't have to go with it. Yes, you do. You do. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Well, that's one of the things I've always felt, you know, in all the movies that have been, you know, remade, reimagined, I've always Mm. wondered what Moonstruck would be like, because I feel that Moonstruck, if like, because of the time that it was made in, it didn't have as the amount of time that it needed to actually delve deeper into the characters. You think? I feel that it it could have, it could have had, because we, we just barely touch on her like backstory. Oh man, I don't need it. I don't, I like the architect. I I think it's good enough. She's because she, I think she says it. I met a I met a man. I loved him. I married him, and she said, "A girl gets." I know all the lines, guys. I could just yeah, do, I do the whole. <laughs> I could just say that whole monologue right now. Um, 
And then and then when she tells her dad she's engaged and he's <laughs> just love his response. This didn't work out for you before. Why yeah. <laughs> don't get married, Loretta? It don't work out for you. Oh God, yeah. I love all that. See, we can just, I think we can discuss like maybe like later when we talk about opera, like I think that fits into like Sybil wants like a longer story with more developed characters, yeah. but opera is not like that at all. You know, opera is very archetypical. So I think when we get to the opera section, we can maybe hash that out a little more in depth, mm. Mm. <laughs> like reboot and what would it look like? And like, versus this kind of operatic, simple simplicity, I guess you could say. Oh, and yeah. I think we, we wanted to talk about dialogue, too. So Sophia's here reciting the dialogue. <laughs> what is some of your favorite dialogue from the film? Just all of it. I know. <laughs> I, well, okay. We talk about why, what felt real to my me and my family about this. Like, yeah. somebody in my family would have, could have, probably has said, if you, you know, do something with my food again. I'm going to kick you till you're dead. Like that's my aunt. That's my yeah. So, yeah. That's so let's like just, let's every- just specify what scene that's from. That's when and they're um, having dinner, right? Yeah. The, the the mom, the dad, the aunt, and the uncle. They're having dinner and the grandpa and, and the grandfather. And he keeps mm-hmm. giving the the dinner, the food to his dogs. He's got like six dogs. <laughs> five. I think and it's five. Five, it's five. It's all nice dogs. He keeps it's, giving his plate. He keeps keep giving his plate <laughs> to the dogs, and she's like, mm. <laughs> "Old man, if you give those dogs any more of my food, I'll kick you until you're dead, or something oh, like yes, that." Yes, yes. Oh, fantastic! <laughs> That's it. So you have a relative who would say that, essentially. Absolutely. Yes, <laughs> and then the element of just family, you know. Yeah, yeah. I love yeah. the family that, you know, there's no best friend. Well, when you talk about a reboot, I can't bear the thought. Like, what would they do to modernize this? Like, in a lot of rom-coms, there's the, you know, main girl and her best friend, her quirky best friend, who is that, like, you know, her counselor, her, you know, the one she cries on, the shoulder she cries on. But with this yeah. one, it's Loretta and her mom, you know? Yeah. And I, lo- and you, I love and you that. you wouldn't have that kick you until your deadline either in a modernization either. You wouldn't have that in a reboot. It would be sanitized. It would be cleaned up. <laughs> it would. I, it would. And again, that right. they're, everybody's older, which is so fantastic. Um, it, so I do, want, I do want to talk more about the dialogue. I'm sorry. I don't mean to. Like, no, go bad, ahead. More but, dialogue. I can but, um, Sybil, you, you, you had said that you don't usually find this a rom-com because you don't find it funny, but you had like one line that you thought was really good. Yeah. So I really – so. I laugh every time, and I laughed again in the trailer because it's in the trailer. When when she gets when Cher gets picked up, and she's like, "Take me to the bed, of course, take me to the bed." Every time I crack up because you can see that she's just like, "This is in her mind." She's like, "This is ridiculous." I am now in. I'm a romance cover. This yeah. is ridiculous, but at the same time, she's like, "And yet I'm into it. Right. I can't stop myself." Mm-hmm. And as a 37-year-old woman, she's like, I this is like what I've always wanted. This is right. this is what I am, this is what every woman in the theater is sitting around being like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and it brings it brings it around to like, you know, what what is what is it about a character like Ronnie where he's just like every strong female is like, I want to be swept off my feet. I want to be told what to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So well, that brings me actually to my favorite dialogue, which I have a clip of because I like having clips. Sorry, guys. So I've got a little clip of my favorite dialogue. If you guys don't mind, if you don't want to talk more about that right now. No, no it's your, bro, your keep going, dialogue. girl. All right. 
Loretta, I love you. Not, not like they told you love is. And I didn't know this either. But love don't make things nice. It ruins everything. It breaks your heart. It makes things a mess. We, we aren't here to make things perfect. Snowflakes are perfect. The stars are perfect. Not us. Not us. We are here to ruin ourselves and and to break our hearts and love the wrong people and and die. I mean that the storybooks are bullshit. Now I want you to come upstairs with me and and get in my bed. <laughs> so so I I want to just like Fantastic. do my little I want to like do my little uh, peon to that uh that whole bit of dialogue and I like the whole rest of that scene too. So this is this scene is actually kind of the second seduction because he's already seduced her once when he said take when when he's taken her to the bed this scene Sybil's talking about this is a, this is the second time like she's you know turned him down she said i can't you know be with you i'm going to marry your brother blah 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 and he convinces her to go to the opera with him and this is after the opera they're coming home and this is his basically his what do you call it that grand speech that that a character makes in a romantic comedy basically the grand speech to get the girl or to get the guy and this is my favorite grand speech in any romantic movie, romantic comedy, romantic movie of any kind. It's very operatic. Um, it's very, um, it's very over the top. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I'm, I also, it very much like defines my philosophy that I've had in my own life towards love, which is that you don't play around with love. You don't play it safe. You don't, um, you don't tr- go for second best. You, you go after what you want. And, and, I know that for some people that sounds very irresponsible, but it's worked out for me. I might have been just very lucky in my life. Like I've never been with someone abusive or someone really terrible or someone who lied to me or anything. It's worked out for me. So like I've always thrown myself at it. And sometimes I've got my heart broken. Sometimes it hasn't made things nice. But like I I agree with I agree with Ronnie here. I mean, operatic love, whether you want to live operatic love or not, is choices made. Well, I, I don't know if like, I don't know if they would be operatic. Like we can talk about that later too. Like what would this relationship look like in real life? But I think there's operatic moments in any love story. You know, like it doesn't mean that the whole romance is going to be like that. But I think there, there, there are certain moments in any life or any love story that will be operatic and a little bit over the top. Like that's what you kind of look back to when you're having the fight. You're kind of like, oh, remember that time we, we went to the you know, the nice play and we had a nice dinner. Or they brought me a rose or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's what mm-hmm. I feel like wow. most of the time you're just like reminding them to take their, their back pain medicine or something. <laughs> but, <laughs> or you're like watching Netflix, but then you think back to, Oh, there was that one time that we did that thing. And that was great. Sure. Yeah. Well, that Ronnie, <laughs> that Ronnie, his, his thing is that he loves, he loves the opera. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's what he yeah. wants. I mean, but I mean, Ronnie is such like a such an operatic character. I mean, listen, he's mm-hmm. missing a freaking hand, right? Yeah, right. He's got a wooden hand. <laughs> John Patrick Stanley said he actually knew somebody with a wooden hand. Like, oh yeah, it, it wasn't just like this character, but they, they, he would get a little bit like salty about his missing hand sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> right, it's so strong for that. I banged into my mic. I'm like. Bah. Things are falling all over here. I'm laughing so hard. And that's funny. Well, yeah. I would think so. Well, right. His whole speech, you know, 
I lost my hand. I lost my bride. Yeah. The others that when you she know. first, yeah. When she first meets him in the bakery. Yeah. Yes. Bring me the big knife. I'm going to kill myself. I know. <laughs> that is a person with deep passion. You know, that's passionate living and dying. And, yeah. um, and Johnny doesn't have that at all. Right. No. They are Johnny barely ki- lets she kisses him at the airport when he yeah. goes to his mom in Sicily and, and, and he's like confused or something. He's like, Whoa, oh, wow. Negative. Like they've never done that or something. Right. And they've been together a long time. You think? Right. Yeah. She, yeah. Well, and she drives him, which is adorable, which by the way, right. Is adorable because like, you know exactly what this relationship is when she's driving him to the airport. And when he proposes, not only does she say, where's the ring? Get down on your knee. I'm going to ruin my pants. And she's like this. I, I was here when you bought, I bought those pants with you. And it, came with two pair this outfit <laughs> you know what I mean? like she's dressing him like a mommy right <laughs> exactly that's this is the relationship that they have right. you know and you're like how are they already not married and married have been married for 50 years like what right. and then with ronnie you have this relationship where it's it's like she wants to feel beautiful for him and she wants mm. to be sexy mm-hmm. and she wants she right. wants to be this different person Mm. that is a, the maybe the better part of her that's not mm-hmm. boring that's not asleep mm. yeah mm-hmm. so i like we were going to talk about the theme like of passion and practicality and it sounds like we're kind of like kind of already in that yeah and that's like i think one of the big themes of the movie like like um with johnny like when she says to her mom that she's getting married to him when they tell their mom she's like do you love him loretta and and and, sh- and she says no she doesn't love him she likes him she likes him fine Mm-hmm. Yeah, she likes him. He's a nice man. He's, He's a, a sweet man, man or something. Mm-hmm. And but her mom, when she says no, she says good. Does the mom love her dad? Like I think she does though, yeah. and that's why she's telling him. Her, like, she's telling him it's good not to love him because they drive you crazy because they know they can. And her and her her husband is currently driving her crazy. Mm-hmm. Right. Cosmo's driving her crazy, but she loves him. Right. I, that's my opinion. I, I, it's it's an int- like I've had this conversation with many people. I'm like I'm like, does she love him? Does mm. she still love him? Did she love him when they started? Did they grow into love? Like, what was it? You know, it's it's inter- it's an interesting conversation to have just because I think she also does love him. I think she loves him very deeply and it's a deep abiding love. Yeah. So my my textual analysis of that, like, sorry, that's a very dorky thing to say. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I would brilliant. say because because like the, the uncle tells the story about Cosmo's right. moon and how he was so in love with her that like, so the uncle tells a story where he says he woke up one night and he saw a moon that was so big shining in his window. And at that time, uh, Cosmo was trying to marry his sister, um, Rose, Loretta's mom. Sorry, so many family numbers here. Anyway, he he thinks that Cosmo had actually brought the moon over like in his half asleep state just because he knows how much Cosmo is in love with Rose. So for me, that like tells you like this was a love story. This was like a this was another Johnny and Loretta or Ronnie and Loretta, but like something happened. Something well, happened along the way, and and that's why her mom's like, "Good, you don't want to love him. He's going to drive you crazy. He'll end up cheating on you. Whatever." Yeah, I I think uh, well something happened along the way. Well, golly, you you age and you, yeah. you are with somebody for a really long time, you know. Uh, it's not always a hot romance, you know, 
I'm married 15 years. We have a seven year old and it's like, hi, what's for dinner? Can you pick up, can you pick up the bread? Okay. And her homework and then, Oh, how was your day? You know, love you. Yeah. <laughs> like there are times in life when it's not, it's not all, uh, it's, it's definitely not all taken to the bed. <laughs> I know. Take it to the bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, mm-hmm. you know, in the beginning, my gosh, I remember when my, you know, stomach would just, you know, do flips because I was just thinking about him and all that. Like that was yeah. whirlwind yeah. and all that. So um, I just kind of want to know, like, what do you think about her choice? Like, what do you think about her choice to to go with Johnny, like, do you, do you like her choice? Um, do you think it would work out? Like, has your opinion changed since you first saw the movie? Johnny or Ronnie? Yeah. Johnny or Ronnie, like, and like which one either, either is perfectly acceptable as an answer as well. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and do you think it would work out? Yeah. The living happily ever after with either of them is an interesting question. <laughs> so you're saying neither? Basically? Yeah. I don't think actually she would be happy with either long-term. Yeah. What do you um, think happens? I'm I'm interested. Yeah, so I think if she if she was with if she was with Johnny, she would just be like I mean, she'd probably be fine actually. With Johnny, she'd probably be fine. She's like, "Listen, I'm living in hang with Ronnie." If she got it with Ronnie, she'd be like she'd have a really hot like relationship for about a year and then she'd be like, "Oh my god, you're like a child and I can't live with you. You're making me crazy." <laughs> to her mother's point right yes exactly i mean that's how it is like it'll it will burn it'll burn out and fizzle and then she'd be like why why are you so crazy i can't and like you can't like sweep even because you lay your hand so you're saying she it would be like a child if she was with uh ronnie with but ronnie, johnny yeah and johnny's already like a child so really she has a choice between di- two different kinds of children in your yeah. opinion. <laughs> yeah i mean really she should get the hell out of that family Oh, no. Or she should be polyamorous and have them both in her life, <laughs> which is I mean, fine too. I, I don't see I don't see Ronnie going for that. Johnny maybe not Ronnie. Johnny would be like, <laughs> Ronnie. Ronnie would be like too intense for that. Suddenly she's in you know suddenly she's in like a you know a tri relationship. And yeah. it's yeah. better. They all live in the house. I, I, I feel like somebody it. else's hand would get cut off it, because <laughs> Ronnie would be so upset. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> what about you Sophia what's what's good what what do you think what who does she end up with maybe and is actually happy absolutely Ronnie absolutely happy uh, or you know <laughs> fighting and loving and um uh like do you think they're Italian so of course they that cr- fighting just leaves to sex and joy so that's like just part of the right time. like passion in all in all yeah. areas, right? You're passionately yeah. angry. You're passionately happy. You're passionately celebrating. Like it's, it's, you know, had she been with Johnny, it would have been even keel the whole time. Mm-hmm. No fighting, no, nothing, nothing exciting at all. Um, because do you think that she would have had children with him or like something like a family life? Johnny? Yeah. I don't know. I wonder. And with Ronnie, I wonder. Well, you know, most of the people I nannied for were older than that when they had kids, though. For sure. Um, but in that in that era? In, in as, 1987. As, as Rose says, it ain't Rose over till it's, it's over. It ain't over till it's over. Um, <laughs> so, so I think, like, this is my, can I tell my theory of the case here? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think she would be 
sad with Johnny, I don't think she would be happy because if a, like she's already met Ronnie, it would always be in the back of her head. Even if she hadn't <sighs> met Ronnie, she probably would have met him eventually. Mm-hmm. And I think she just was, she said when she meets um, Johnny, she says, I was dead, you know, mm-hmm. like that you don't want to be dead. So, and then with, with Ronnie, I actually think that his intensity would burn down a little bit. I don't mm-hmm. think it would be a child. I mean, he clearly he's holding a job in a bakery. He might be, you know, sometimes asking for a knife, but that's because he's miserable. And he's got a lady now. He's got a lady he can take to the opera. Maybe he won't be so miserable. He'll lay off the knife a little bit. Right. And I, I just, he's got a steady job. You know, he's, he, he seems to like hanging out with her family. He like just settles right into the kitchen in right. the final scene and just like, this is going to be absolutely delicious. And he's like hanging out with her parents. And I, I could see him growing up because he finally has something he wants. Mm. I don't know if he would eventually, you know, I don't think he'd have a fear of death like Cosmo either. Like, you know, the Rose, Loretta's mom is always saying that Cosmo's cheating on her because he's afraid of death, right? Right, right. But like, I feel like that I don't he, think he was has a fear of death either because he liked opera. Yeah. I don't yeah, think you so can I- fear death and love opera. Opera is all about death. Yeah, it is. It really is. I, I think they would have a lot of kids and like, and it would be all right. I think he, I think he would not be like a child. I think he would calm, calm the hell down, but that's my, thing. it's optimistic perhaps. Well, I think if this thing is, I've never imagined that she could actually have kids and if they could have kids, it probably would be different because then also yeah. he'd be busy, mm. but she's too old <laughs> and, and that, in that time period, there's no way she could have kids. I don't, people had kids when they were older. Like I, my grandma had the kid older than that. I'm pretty sure her first kid. No, her last kid. I'm pretty yeah, sure. My no, grandma. no, her first kid. So right. your first kid at that age. Mm, it's very difficult. It's there. There was. Yeah, no, I just don't think it would be possible. Yeah. <laughs> Die in childbirth. They'll adopt. They'll <laughs> adopt. <laughs> okay. They'll adopt. They'll adopt. I just say that. It's Bell true. Adopt. Though. Even now, even now. Okay. If you, when you're, th- at 35, they call you geriatric yeah. when you're pregnant. So, like, 37 is hard even now. Like, this, this is the clientele I deal with. It's hard even now. Hmm. So, in the 80s, it's nigh impossible. I know. <laughs> Yeah, I hear you. And and yet I know so many people who were, yeah, have their first child at 37, have their kids in their 40s. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I, totally possible. But and occasionally um, accidental. Occasionally <laughs> accidental. Yes, I know. Yes, I, can, I can name right, somebody. So, so I will, I will, I will, I will say if she can have kids, <laughs> then I'm into it. So I'm into it. Okay. I'm into a life okay. with Ronnie. That okay. changes all the per- my perspective on that. Because it'll keep him busy. <laughs> yeah, keep it. Well, also, like it gives them something besides themselves, right? Okay. It them, yeah. It widens, it widens their field. Okay. Okay. So I'm it. in. I'm in. I'm into that life, Jen. I'm into it. I'm into it, Jennifer. Right. I'm, I'm totally down. All right. <laughs> Very good. Very good. <laughs> I'm just looking at, to see, like, what are some of the things that we've missed talking about? Because we get into these things, and then and we uh, moon the moon. I want. I do want to touch about the moon. So yeah. one of the things that I actually think is really interesting about Moonstruck: a, it has the moon, the moon name. Moonstruck is in it. And Wait, can I just tell you a fun fact, really quick? Really yeah. quick. It was originally called The Bride and the Wolf. That was the original title. <laughs> they, yeah, it sounded like a horror movie. So Norman Jewison made him change it. That's all. <laughs> That's so then the movie, Moonstruck. That movie would have done no money. <laughs> Go see The Bride and the Wolf. And people are like, what? What? Yeah, that, that yeah. is a horror movie. 
I didn't want to interrupt you in the middle of your flow. So first of all, you like the moon, the moon, the title. And yeah, Moonstruck is a great name for a movie, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Especially because they, they have so much conversation about the moon. Right. Um, I also love that we have like these little interludes with the moon, right? You have oh, like yeah. Cosmo's moon, you have the you have the aunt and the uncle who like, you know, are apparently getting busy with the moon. And I also love that yeah. we talk, talk about like geriatric sex because like old people like to have sex come on now in other movies like if an old person's having sex it's like oh haha the old person's having sex and it's it makes me so mad because it's like we're all going to be old someday and let's hope let's hope that we still have passion in our lives where did i hear that like stds are really big in nursing homes and stuff like that like really so i worked i worked at um i worked at a retirement community in college Yeah, there you go. And yeah, man, those people, they're getting it on. <laughs> and it doesn't have to be a joke. It can be just really sweet. It can be wonderful. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you got nothing else to do. And also, why the heck not? Like, as far as like in the, the aunt and uncle, I love, yeah, it's such a sweet scene. You it know? It is. And it's I like, because when you're old, you don't feel old. Our brains still think we're 25, even though everything else is falling apart or you're, you know. There's a beautiful shot, too, where they they do the sequences with the big full moon and through the windows. And there's a beautiful shot of Rose, Olympia Dukakis' character, Mm. like lit by the 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 moon through the drapes and it's like echoing actually a shot of Cher playing Loretta with lit by the drapes and they both look beautiful they both look equally beautiful in that moon and it's it's just wonderful it's beautiful yeah and and that's one of the things I love about the the moon in this movie besides that you know moon the the idea that moons can make you crazy and that moons bring on passion and all Mm -hmm. of that but you know the idea that you know the moon itself, you know, it, it, with women, it, it drives us and it helps yeah. us, you know, it's, it, it's part of our flow, et cetera. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, it's this underlying current that I really dug in the film. Mm-hmm. Can I, my favorite interaction with the moon is the, the old man though. I love the old man. He's my favorite side character. He's called the old man on IMDb. It's not like he doesn't have a name. It's the grandpa, the old man. Anyway, but he's got, you know, those five dogs that we talked about. And my favorite scene is when he walks them to like this. They made this platform, I guess. And I don't I don't know enough about New York to know exactly what he's looking at. I think he's looking towards Manhattan. And there's a big moon. And he tells the dogs, why do you make me wait? Howl, howl. And then he starts howling to make his dogs howl. And I loved that scene when I was a kid. I didn't have dogs, but I thought like that's what it's like to have dogs. I want dogs, <laughs> and, and I still love that scene. Like, every time I watch it, I'm just like, this is the best thing ever. I laugh with him, and I even have a favorite dog out of his pack. Oh wow! There's I've never gone one. That far. Yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm, I don't know why, but I love that character and I love his dog so much. And like, they're howling at the moon and he's just getting such a kick out of it. Like, even though he doesn't have a couple, but he's got this, like, you know, he's the fam, he's the father of the family in a way. And he's also got those, those dogs to hang out with. That's, that's, sorry, that's probably off topic. No, (laughs) No, I love it. I actually love, so I love the part, like the part where he's coming back from the, I believe it's the same part where he's coming back from the howling of the moons and, uh, she, uh, Rose is walking back with mm-hmm. the gentleman oh, yeah. that she was having dinner with alone. Professor, who we haven't talked about yet. Yeah, the professor. Right. Which I actually feel so. She, Rose goes out to dinner mm-hmm. and she goes alone, which is a very powerful scene in itself. Like a woman who's power, who's who's powerful enough in herself to eat alone for dinner, yeah. right? In a restaurant. Yeah. Because, like, 
what that's hard enough for people to eat by themselves. So here she is, an older woman being like, yep, I'm going to eat alone. It's cool. And then, you know, this guy who's consistently had too many young women with him and you've seen him and he's gotten drinks thrown at him over and over again. Mm -hmm. And she winds up having dinner with him and he walks her home and, you know, old man grandpa sees this and is like, oh my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Mm-hmm. And, you know, nothing's going on between them. And she's the whole time being like, yeah, we're totally not having sex. And this, you know, other guy's like, we're totally going to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what's going to happen here. And that he feels that she's interesting enough and sexy enough. And he's he's intrigued by her intelligence and her power, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Like he mm-hmm. finally found somebody you can actually talk to because, yeah, he's picking someone not to talk down to, but just talk to his equals. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I love what she says. She's like, I, you know, he's like, oh, people are home. And she's like, no, nobody's home, but I know who I am. And I, I, I like that, you know? Uh, yeah. And yet like she, yeah. it is, it is sweet that she has this little moment, her own little excitement and her own little, uh, you know, feeling probably appreciated. Like, cause her husband is off having this affair and, um, Right. Well, and, and it's a moment where you can be like, look, she's not this sad woman who right. she's yeah. cheated on because she's, you know, she's sad and ugly and, you know, alone sitting crying in her beer. She's a woman who's like, right. I'm powerful and I'm, mm. I know who I am. Yeah. And yeah, my man might be cheating on me, but he won't be for long. Ah, yeah. nice. Yeah. You know, he's yeah. afraid of death. I know what this is about. It's not because he doesn't love me. It's not right. because I'm not beautiful and smart is because he's having emotional problems. And that's yeah. actually why most men cheat is because of something inside them, not because of they're unhappy with you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, and then like that brings us to the professor too. Like, so you got these two men and they're both like kind of making these decisions to be with women who are like, you got her father and then you got the professor and they're both having these relationships with women who they're kind of talking down to and the ladies are looking up to them, at least at first. Like when he explains like these women who are throwing the drinks at him at first, they're looking up at him like, Oh, teach me, teach me. Mm. And I thought that was a really true observation about men that I was actually kind of surprised to see in a screenplay by a man. Right. <laughs> because there's a lot of men like that. There's a lot of men who like, they want to be with someone who like, Oh, you're, you have such a way of knowing you're so smart. Oh. You're so capable. Like teach me professor. Mm. I've definitely met guys like that who like, that's the type they go for. So So, I thought that was an interesting observation in the script. So what do we feel about the fact that we have our heroine here who's essentially cheating on her fiance? (laughs) I think they made Johnny enough of a putz, I guess. Like that's not, you know, that's more of a Jewish term, but like, I don't know what the Italian term for that is, but they made him like with the whole proposal scene, they did a really good fine balance between making him nice enough that you understand why he's marrying her, marrying, why she's marrying him, but like just awkward and, and unromantic enough to understand like why you would cheat on him. That's my opinion. But does it make it okay? I mean, it's, it's not, it's not real life for me. Like, Like Movie. But, it's, a, it's an opera it's an operatic movie right but it's one of those things that one of the th- things that i think that is done really well in this movie and i think it's done incredibly well um and it's it is actually the thing that seals my love of this movie is when she meets her father at the opera and mm. he here he is a cheater and here she mm. is a cheater mm. and they look at each other and they're like we're cheaters mm. <laughs> yeah mm. <laughs> and we are the same 
Mm-hmm. We are the same. We we actually can't. We and and she's like she's she's like you're married, and he's like you're about to be. <laughs> like we technically we are the same, and you you kind of like you can't judge too hard. We are both people who are unhappy in different ways, mm-hmm. you know. And so I really appreciated that section mm-hmm. of. Of, and you know they don't you don't have to go into it too deeply but you look at it and you're like okay so here we go and that's why when you have the scene with Rose and she's out and she's not like I'm not angry I'm not like like crying about this she's like I know exactly what's going on yeah and I'm gonna halt this right you can you're not you understand why every the characters are the same because you know that you know we've got a fiance who's kind of a putz who's going to come back. And we all know that he was going to go see his mom, tell him, tell her he was going to get married and his mom's not going to have that. I didn't know that. that She's an an Italian mom. It's not going to happen. See, I didn't know that. That surprised (laughs) me. It makes sense when you watch the movie, but it surprised me. (laughs) So uh, that was a, for me, I like, it sealed my love of Moonstruck. Literally that scene. I was like, ah, whoever wrote the script is a genius. And a lot of times we're like our parents. We'll have things in common with our parents, and sometimes there are negative traits. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. <laughs> Sophia, did you, did you judge Loretta for for cheating, or did you feel like it? Like, did you feel awkward about it in any way? Um, no, no. I, um, it's like you go along with it because it's like, oh, of course, of course, <laughs> follow your heart. And then you look back, you're like, oh, I guess, oops. <laughs> um. I mean, in real life, it would be on Jerry Springer. Yeah. I mean, right, right, right. You're like, oh, that's. Um, my my fiance slept with my one-handed brother or something. Right, right. Once I slept with the brother of, me, of my fiance, she's going to confession about it. It's like, oh, that's a pretty big sin. And, you know, reflect on your <laughs> life and uh, that kind of thing. I, yeah, don't, that's I don't know. Um, I mean, I think you are more apt to forgive her because she didn't go looking for it where her father is like, he's looking for it. He's, he's uh, trying to, I don't know, comfort himself and find his youth or whatever somewhere yeah. else. Where I think yeah. with her thing, it's like, it's it's enough in the beginning where, you know, not too much damage is happening. Yeah, versus, that's true. Versus Cosmo and Rose who've been together their whole lives, you know, for yeah. a gazillion years. So both aren't, you know, morally whatever. You could be like, I just don't usually more I don't morally judge characters usually. Like I, I was on Twitter actually and yeah. somebody somebody was like, How can you like Kylo Ren and Ray's relationship because he's like Hitler or something? And I'm like, it's a Star Wars movie. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> it's, a, it's an archetype. It's like it's it, you and know, just relax. Like, if right. if I just if I start watching every movie like that, I'm not gonna like. I'm not saying Sybil's doing that at all. By the way, Sybil. No, so don't, I get you. I'm, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> we're asking our we're asking our viewership to just have conversations and think about things. Sure. <laughs> so why don't we talk about opera? Because like we're talking about like um, cheating and all this type of thing, and like that happens a lot in operas too. And I think like actually the fact that there's two couples both cheating and then they meet up at the opera like kind of plays into that that theme a little bit. I so, gotta bounce for one second. Oh, okay. 
So, Sophia, to step out for a second, we're going to start our talk about opera. So, Sybil, you said to me when we were planning the episode that you think the opera part of the movie I, is really boring. I am horribly bored by the opera section. In fact, when I rewatch Moonstruck, I tend to fast forward through all of the opera stuff because I already know what's happening. Wait, what? You actually fa- you actually fast forward through the scene where all he holds your hand and they're all like... I don't care. I don't care oh at God. all. I'm and the part bored. that you like where she confronts her father, do you, do yeah, you fast, I fast forward, forward to that, that well? section? Yeah. Wait, you fast forward to it or through it? No, to it. Okay. It's okay, not okay. when I watch when they're like in the lobby. Okay. And they confront each other because I love that Fair section. Enough. Fair enough. <laughs> but yeah, everything else. And I like when she's crying and stuff, like I fast forward all that. Like I just, I, when I rewatched it for here, I watched all of it. But once again, I was super bored. Like I found myself scrolling on Facebook and stuff. I was super bored. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, so it feels just like sitting in opera, in fact. So I so I love opera and Sybil hates opera. So how many operas have you been to? Um I'm out of curiosity. Was, three Wait, what? was enough. Three. Yeah. That's about as many as I've been to. I want to go to so many though. Like I've been to I think like four operas and I've seen La Boheme, I've seen La Traviata, I've seen Carmen, and I've seen Pagliacci. And then I saw some I think I saw The Marriage of Figaro, but that was a very long time ago. And I love them. Like we, there's an opera here. I live in Madison, Wisconsin. There's an opera here and Lee and I would go a couple times and we we you can actually get pretty good seats for not too much cuz it's just, you know, Wisconsin. But it was really well done and I love the singing and I love the drama. Like, even though the stories are very simplistic. Oh, yeah. No, I got bored just, like, listening to us talk about opera. I kind of started yawning. <laughs> I need Sophia back so she can – Maybe back. she doesn't I'm like here. opera either. I'm, oh, I'm my God. Here. Okay. So Sybil was just telling me that she yeah. got so bored by I opera. I heard that part. That she mm-hmm. got bored when I was talking about the – Like, yeah. do you like opera or am I alone here? Um, it's not something I um, – Uh-oh. I'm alone. Put on. Okay. So I did oh. see get to see La Boheme. And I, I saw, saw it, it because, you know, I was a big fan of Rent, right? Yeah, that's um, right, which I didn't know. I didn't know Rent was based on that until yeah, I saw totally. it. And then halfway through the opera, I'm like, this is Rent, right? And I'm like, oh, that's so, so weird. Yeah. So, I mean, it was it was all right. I'll tell you this, though, okay, of all art that I've seen in Europe and, like, blah, blah, when it came to the third act, when they're outside in the snow, hmm. when the curtain came back, pulled back, first of all, the audience clapped hmm. and I burst into tears. Like I was so moved by the beauty of that set that wow. I, I I started to cry. So, so where did you was, see it? Where, which opera? Uh, the Lyric in Chicago. Okay. And um, so that was it was just beautiful to me. So, yeah. Um, but I don't sit around and listen to opera or anything. No, I, I, I listen to it. I have opera records and we go to operas. So like, yeah, like I, I, I totally like I, in my dreams, like my, I, like literally my husband Lee and he knows this would, would dress up like Nicolas Cage with like the little white scarf and everything. <laughs> oh (laughs) like and i would get like kind of Cher's outfit that she's got in that scene like with the red shoes and everything and it would just be fabulous like we've we've dressed up but we don't dress up like that i mean it's madison wisconsin people people would think we were a little extra if we showed up like that in madison wisconsin so there was there was one guy with a cape once I will Ooh. say. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, I've sadly seen eight. I had to go look it up. I've seen Are eight Are you opera. kidding me? You wow. hate opera and you've seen, seen eight, eight opera. Two, that's operettas, a big... two operettas. 
and two operettas. So I've so seen why way do you more see them if you don't to. like them? Like who do you see who who do you yeah. see them for? Essentially. Well, I mean, sometimes. Okay, so I mean, I've been taken for by, by clients before because okay. like I'll do things because clients are like, "Hi, come see me in this thing." Oh, so okay, okay. Like a client is doing a thing and they give me tickets because they're okay. in it. Like I'll go right. Um, so I had to go see a couple a couple years ago because one of my clients was singing and I was like, "Okay, I'll go see it." And then I had one that like I love costuming, so like oh, the costumes oh, yeah. are amazing. So one of my clients mm-hmm. was costuming and for the. Uh, for the for the Phil, and she also was doing it for the opera at the time because mm. um, the Phil was doing all the music. So I went, um, and I had to sit through a Philip Glass one, which was like four hours of doom. Oh my god, Philip Glass has an <gasps> opera! Glass. I didn't even know. Wow, it was like death. <laughs> and then, um, and then you know the one, the only one that I saw, I saw Dangerous Liaisons in mm. Washington D.C., and I actually think I saw that with you, Jen. Wait, so then I've seen more. Wait, I saw that too? I must um, have seen that. Sounds yeah, right. Um, you actually stole some chick's umbrella or somebody stole your umbrella. <laughs> what? <laughs> One or the other. <laughs> Why do people always remember the weirdest things about me that I have no idea that happened? Uh, so, and that was, that was an actually, op- that was an operetta. And I remember sitting there being like, they're literally singing about like, like bedpans. And I can't <laughs> believe this is true. Dude, um, in La Bohème, there's a guy who sings about his jacket. Like he's really see, sad that he has thing. to give away like, his jacket. I need to go get the bed pen. And you're like, no, I'm out. <laughs> um, um, I've seen the I've seen Lafayette at the Old Globe, um, uh, and that was the Old Globe. So why wouldn't you go see that? Uh, mm-hmm. When you're invited to the Old Globe, you go to the Old Globe in London. So have either of you been to the Met, the one they go to in the in the film with the Chagall painting? I've not and actually never been to the New York Opera. Um and I've Sophia? been to the Met. I saw ballet at the okay. Met. Um because it looks fabulous. I don't I don't remember that lobby. I don't remember the Chagall. Um uh, Yeah. Well that's that cool. Fantastic. That's cool. To me it looks like it would be so awesome. But yeah. I mean, in a movie, everything looks a little better too. So there's that. <laughs> this I mean, is true. <laughs> again, if if like tickets came across my way to see something, I would I would totally go. Uh, but I, it's not on like my top radar of you know the opera. So something that will, might interest both of you because you both are not so into the opera. I guess when they did the test screenings for Moonstruck, originally they had La Bohème music playing over the opening scenes, which were them unloading the sets and everything for La Bohème. Mm-hmm. And people were just like really bored in the beginning of the film. They weren't <laughs> laughing. They weren't like, yeah, like like you said, Sybil, they were just kind of like, uh. And they, it's, like they, it's like they couldn't figure out what kind of movie it was. So that's when, like, I think it was the film editor got the idea to just put the Dean Martin over the top, over the screenplay, the That's Amore. And mm. then it worked. And then mm. the movie worked. So it's like without that song, song, it's possible the movie wouldn't have worked and the opera would have, like, scared everybody away. Even uh, though they yeah. use plenty of opera music, like, as themes later, later in the on. movie. And, like, in that, like, iconic scene where Cher's, like, kicking that can down the road after right. she's just gotten back from sleeping with Johnny again and she's just, like all about it like well, like i think the opera music is used so well in some of the scenes to just heighten really ordinary things not bedpans but kicking cans right well, well i guess that, I mean, that makes sense though because like when you start the film you need to like set a tone yeah right yeah and yeah. the tone needs to be kind of like of moonstruck is this upbeat tone yeah. and that's not low love to make up for all the death yeah <laughs> to make up for all the death <laughs> um i was gonna say oh about the opera 
and the use of it in this film. I guess what's, I think we're all like, you know, Loretta in, in the film. She's like, I just don't really get it. You know, I'm watching it and I don't really get it. The opera. Well, you two are like that. But then, <laughs> well, right. And, okay. A lot of us are, but then there's a point, right? Where, yeah. you know, all of a sudden something, it moves you. It's, yeah. you know, and you get past the bedpan, you get past, um, uh, not understanding the words, but you're, but m- what music does, right. Moves us in ways that, um, you know, beyond what we yeah. know, need or expect, like it has a beyond our brain, beyond our brain. Right. Um, yeah. and then at the end she's like, she, you know, she was coughing her brains out, but she still kept singing, you know, like, <laughs> and <laughs> it's fantastic. You're like, yes, yes. Can I tell a little, uh, what is it? anecdote about that whole can kicking scene in the, in the of course the next day of course all my years living in brooklyn we finally were like let's let's find the house let's find that house why oh yeah why have we never found the house so we did and it's only like two miles from where we lived like <laughs> it wasn't far and i got to you know my husband took a picture well i never i pretended you know the scene where she you know her arms are back and her leg is in the air and and um on the street by her house, I got to reenact that. That was a lot of fun. And you've got the hair for it, <laughs> you know. In the picture, sadly, my hair's pulled back. It wasn't. Oh no! Wasn't all big and curly. It was... <laughs> well, you just I have didn't have a red dress on either. Unfortunately, I was just in like jeans and a t-shirt. So, there are people li- living in the house still. Do you think, like, or was it changed? Yeah, it's something? totally. Okay. Totally a, a house. Someone's living in it. It's like nice. Three or four million dollars worth of a yeah, house. Right. <laughs> yeah. So despite the fact everybody's like kind of bored by the opera, like it's still used like in the movie quite well. And like you see it in other rom-coms too. Like I always think about like Pretty Woman. I think they see La Traviata. And then in Little Women, they go to the opera when she falls in love with the professor in Age of Innocence. Mm. Like it's all over like romantic movies. So maybe it's like more of a symbol of romance than like something that people actually like for the most part. This brings us to death. Like I we death. this this <laughs> brings us to death. <laughs> no, we sorry, sorry, podcast listeners. If 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 we keep this scene in there, we we have an outline so that we don't digress too much. And so we we always intended to talk about death because it's all over this movie. It's all over opera. Um, the woman like dies in La Bohème, of course. And like, sorry about the spoiler, but. You know, you're watching an opera. What do you want? I was going to say, is it an opera? Right. Yeah. There'd be death. But like death is also like a theme in this film. And opera is part of that. Like, uh, and right from the beginning too, we have Johnny going home to see his dying mother, Mm. even though that's Mm kind of treated as a joke. Well, then she comes back to life. I don't know. (laughs) It's a miracle. What do you guys what do you guys think about like death in the movie like do, did you notice it when you watched it like I didn't really notice it honestly until I read I listened to the commentary but then went, once I listened to the commentary it was all over the place I definitely noticed death I noticed death a lot in that film um first of all I noticed that people are close to death so you know mm. there's a lot of really old people in it um and then I I noticed that you know I the fact that you know we have a character who you know is literally being like why do men chase women because they're afraid of death yeah you know we're asking that question we have opera which is all about death uh, and so i always notice that and so i'm like well one of the themes of this film is clearly death and 
Uh, and then the other, the other way I noticed it was, you know, that we're, it's spurned on by the fact that his, we have like our, our hero is, um, you know, Ronnie is like, technically in his mind, he might've escaped death because he lost a hand, but he didn't actually die. Mm. 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 But yet he's asking someone to bring him a knife to kill himself also. Yeah, well, but yes. But I don't think he actually wants to die. He's like very melodramatic. Yeah, what would happen if they did bring him the big knife? Like, <laughs> Here you go. This is the marriage later on. He's going to be like, oh, just bring me the big knife. And she'll be like, here you go. There's the big knife, honey. Go ahead and do it. So That's She's like, could you chop those vegetables for me instead? Right, right. Yeah. Can you first, yeah, do that before you kill your, yes. Uh, and not yeah. take your drama so seriously well isn't it also in the commentary like the opening credit is in the funeral home and like your first image one of your first images of a corpse you know um but nobody actually dies who's important to the film it just happens that loretta's during her job like keeping the books for this like funeral home so it's like (laughs) it's just a little added touch yeah i think to what sybil has said like there there's a it's a stage it's a lot of these people's lives that it's you're thinking about death and what and you know cosmos says at the at the end he goes you know Mm. man gets to a point in his life and it's built on nothing you know Mm. and of course rose is like it's not jerk (laughs) um but then she says i love you yeah yeah, yeah, your life is not built on love on on nothing, and I love. And that you. and that was amazing to me. Like I'm like, oh my god, she just said she loved this guy, and he's being a total jerk to her. But I'm I'm like impressed, but she doesn't seem weak when she does it, which is wild no. to me. I don't know yeah. how you write that so she feels so she, so it doesn't seem weak. No, because she's reminding him. You know, he's lost. He's mm-hmm. forgotten about. You know, you know, he hasn't let the moon. You know, feel the passion again. Because he's afraid of this thing. So he's he's looking elsewhere. He's looking elsewhere. And she's reminding him, your life is not built on nothing. You know, look, you're surrounded by your family and your home and, you know, and me. And I love yeah. you. Yeah. And then he says, I love you too, which mm-hmm. is like, wow. <laughs> and it resolves that story. Like, and yeah. Oh, I forgot one other funny death thing though. Like not not dramatic like this, but funny. There's remember when she sees Johnny off to the plane at the beginning, and like there's that old woman who put a curse on the plane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, oh my god, that part's so hysterical. I forgot See, about so that. So you part. did laugh at something else then. That <laughs> okay. part. That part is also one because I'm just like she has. She, so Loretta is like all kinds of his is all kinds of you know. I, I don't want bad luck, blah, blah, blah. But she's like, oh, dude, get on a plane that this lady is like fully like that plane's going to crash and burn. She's like, eh, whatever. I put a curse on the plane. Yeah. She's the lady put a curse on the plane because her sister stole a man from her years and years ago, apparently. Like, and it's wild. I it's love wild. that. That's opera. There's yeah. that drama, that high passion and like, uh, Stealing a man to be strong over her sister, even though she didn't love the man. After all these years, she tells her sister the truth, and and now she wants her sister dead. <laughs> I just, I love that. Gosh, that yeah. being so true. Like that's just don't. Doesn't everybody talk that way? I don't know. I mean, clearly. I mean, my family no, but like I totally believe. I totally know there are people who do talk like that and who do lay it all out there. You know, I. That's very again. My life, my my growing up, and like my husband has a hard time with it. He's like, "You guys are like," and like I don't 
always understand like his family. Like, what do you mean? Why aren't we talking about this? How come you're, how come, you know, this isn't the whole family event. <laughs> and yet it drives me crazy too. It's like, mind your own business, but yet it's also makes sense to me too. Yeah. My but, family's in the middle. We're not totally locked down, but like we definitely, we don't, we don't let it fly that free. So, <laughs> but um, yeah, um, I wanted to really quickly before, because we we're, we don't have a ton of time left. I want to really quickly just tell my opinion of the Criterion Edition. And then I think, would you guys like to talk about what a reboot would look like? Because that was one of the topics we were thinking about. Uh, didn't we already do that? I, I, I actually, that. The, I don't ever want to talk about a reboot. This I is, don't either. But, I, like, but I'm really good. curious why Sybil thinks there should be a reboot. I truly believe that there should be a reboot. No! And, and, and you're saying because it needs to be long form? Is that what well, the reason? Well, I think that there should be a reboot because one thing, there's a reboot of pretty much everything so if you're going to do it why aren't we doing one of like like why aren't we doing it because um, it's too good oh, something should mm-hmm. never be done yeah but it's going to be like it should be like if we're rebooting why not reboot because there are going to be people who are never going to watch this movie who are younger because like, no, 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 no. i'm going to make them see the old movie i'm telling you because like like uh, i think reboots I are think actually go deeper and make this movie make this movie. i think you can improve on this movie I don't. Well, understand that you're not making the same movie. Like, I'm not saying like reboot it, like you did, like do the exact same movie, but like take that theme, reboot it, and do another movie. Like, there are lots of reboots that have been done well. Are you enjoying the new Star Treks? Are you enjoying the new Star Wars? See, uh, uh, (laughs) I only I like the original Star Wars better, but the other thing is those are more like an additional story. Like they're 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 more like a sequel. Like. Moonstruck, if you're like talking like let's make the same kind of theme and plot again, I don't think I would like it that much. The only reboot I can think of that I really like, and even that one went way far afield, is the recent Suspiria that came out. A lot of people haven't seen that, but it was amazing. I do like that reboot, but most of the time I I hate reboots. Like, uh, like they make me, and most sequels too that are like not really the same people doing them. Like Grease two, no, not a fan. Dirty Dancing two, not a fan. I love that one too. I, oh I like God. that one. I like that one. I love so much Grease fodder. too. So much um, fodder for future disagreements. Yes. Uh, <laughs> reboot that I did enjoy was Footloose. I enjoyed that reboot. Wait, you like the shot for shot version of Footloose? I'm I did. Yes. Okay. Well. Okay, before we get into every reboot though, let's let's let Sybil try to defend her Moonstruck reboot again. You could spend a little bit more time on the characterizations. You could get a little bit deeper on them. You could you could put characters, you could put some new characters in them, which would then like new actors in them, which would then bring in a new audience, which there's a whole there's a whole audience who is never going to watch this movie. I just, just, I don't believe in never. I don't believe in never. I believe that you're right. That like a lot of younger people are very resistant to seeing older movies, but like, I don't believe in never. Well, there's a whole genre of movies that they probably would not watch, but they might come back and watch this one. If they had watched, if they watched the original, Mm -hmm. they'll watch the original. If they watch a new one and they're like, Oh, okay. Well, I really liked like so-and-so in this. But what if it's shitty? Then they might not want whatever, but we're trying to make a not shitty reboot. See, that's why we're talking about it. (laughs) So you make the assumption that it's shitty. We're talking about what if we didn't. I think they would make everybody younger. I think the whole Mm -hmm. death element would would be eliminated or underplayed. And, um, that kind of makes me sad. Probably they would make people younger. They would, probably make people younger and um, the thing i worry about is they would just like uh sand off all the rough edges and like like if i think about like 
like current rom-coms you wouldn't and and in some ways this is good but in some ways it's not great for me like they would not let Nicolas Cage just grab her and kiss her and then pick her up and take her to the bed because that's like these days like enthusiastic consent is considered you know like a standard right and people would be very like upset by seeing a guy just because he does actually seem somewhat violent in that theme scene yeah he knocks a whole table over and like that's we a, grew up in a different like cultural, you know, milieu. Well, and that's the thing. Like, can you can like can you reboot something like this? Like, and is it is it okay to? I I think that you could reboot it. I think you could do it well. And could you make I think that I think that it would be okay if you sand it off the edges. It would it be the same movie? No, it's not supposed to be. Mm. It's not supposed to be a shot for shot version. Sure, um, sure. Not shot right? for shot. Like, what about that. the heart of it? Like, what about the like? So, what, what but the heart of it, like, if they tried to make the actors all younger, I also would be pissed off. I'm like, no, it's yeah. supposed to be a, it's supposed to be a older, you know, it's supposed to be an older woman. So, like, what if they got like Jennifer Lopez? What no. if they made it a Hispanic family? That's fine, right? Yeah. But I don't want J Lo is fine. She's fifty, but she's like you know her skin's constantly glowing like i don't like that at all like i don't i want to see but, i, I mean, want to see known for being glamorous too you could glam you could glam down someone but you know Cher, i would just say is not can like share was not all i mean share was know? glamorous girl she was glamorous at that time they made her not glamorous they and worked she, hard did at you it. see the dress she was wearing to accept her oscar oh my god oh yeah and the <laughs> like, hair i totally remember that yeah so, I mean, um, but you could, you, I think that it would be an, I would think it'd be interesting to know how you could do it. And I hmm. think you could do a nice job doing it. Hmm. I think it would lose something for me because I think some of the things I love about it are things that you couldn't do anymore. Like, right. I, I think I like the passion that's a little bit dangerous and bordering on like, like almost problematic. You know what I mean? Like, right. I, 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 that works for me, but it, I don't think it works for today's audiences in the same way. And wow. on it, maybe maybe younger people wouldn't like that either when they saw the older movie. I don't know. I've seen right, when well, I'm like, what if and what if like you did it more consensually? Yeah. Like I don't know. Like I do like the like take me to that bed, take me to bed scene. And I think you could still do that. I think yeah. see, you could still do something like that. But it's more like I like I think it's all doable. I think it mm. is. It's not going to be the same movie. No, it's not supposed to be. It's a modernization. That's the point. You heard it here first. Sybil says remake or, or reboot Moonstruck. <laughs> I do. I do. I feel like it I, I, you know she's she, like I would. You're Sybil. You're probably right, but I don't like it. There. That's no, it. That's the bottom line. To. That's why because you love it, and that's the point. Right. When you love something, you're like, but I like it just as it is. True. Right. True. And I'm not saying that it's it's not supposed to take away from the run that you love. Moonstruck is an amazing film and I love it as well. But to get people to get people to also love it more, sometimes you have to like show them something else. Be like, hey, look at this other thing. Wouldn't you like to see the original? Do you think that worked though with things like recently, like A Star is Born? Do you think it made people actually go back Absolutely. and look at other movies? So like I have so like I have a generation of younger clientele and they were like, I didn't even know it was a remake. Mm-hmm. I didn't know it was, I didn't know it was a third remake. I only had seen the one with freaking Barbara Streisand. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. See, I I've only seen the Lady Gaga Bradley Cooper one. So like it didn't make me want to go see the see, other. I one. think the Barbara Streisand one is far superior. The Gaga see, one. That's I why I'm like, saying just eh. watch the Barbara Streisand one. That's why I'm saying don't reboot it. But <laughs> that's like, my 
that's my argument for it, I guess. Yeah. But I mean, I didn't mind the Gaga one. I still prefer mm-hmm. the Streisand one, but like the Gaga one, I think had like, like lots of pieces that I appreciated. Okay. So I just really want to quickly, before we finish the podcast, I'll just tell you my opinion of the new Criterion edition. Like, mm-hmm. honestly, I don't know if it has a ton of extra things compared to previous editions. Like it has seemingly the same commentary that is from the 1998 special edition, but the commentary was very good. So if you don't own Moonstruck, the commentary was well worth in- listening to. You get a lot of interesting details, like not only about the screenwriting and the acting, but you get things like the moon. You find out like how they made the the lighting for the moon and woke up all the birds in that area. I think it was in Brooklyn, I think. Where they filmed? Yeah. Yeah. Wherever they filmed, they woke up all the birds with their like bright moonlight at night, which they needed a ginormous crane for. That's so you get a lot of interesting details. Most of the Criterion um, special features are John Patrick Shanley centric. So they're centered around the screenwriter. And I think that was really interesting for me because I'm writing screenplay right now. Not a very similar one at all, but like just hearing from a really great screenwriter is always interesting. And you really get the heart. And, and this movie is so dependent on the screenplay. I think this movie really shows you how a great screenplay builds a great romantic comedy. I think it's almost impossible to have a great one without a great screenplay. Oh, one funny anecdote that I learned from this, which I thought was hilarious as somebody who's made art before, like made a play before, they actually filmed the bakery scenes, the Camerary bakery scenes in a real working bakery. And the bakery owner insisted that they had to keep making bread during the filming. And a random customer just came in while they were like actually shooting a scene and demanded to buy bread. So, so they they actually ended up having to sell the guy bread, and and Norman Judison said, "Yeah, we made eight dollars in bread." That's so awesome. I thought that, I thought that was pretty funny. That is fantastic. Yeah, and and basically, I just like I got a lot of like sense of the richness of like the experience of making the film. They had a lot of great commentary, and the the fin- the final scene they had a lot of interesting commentary on that. So the final scene of this movie gathers everybody in the kitchen the whole cast basically and they're finding out the whole everything that's happened like that johnny's not going to marry uh loretta anymore because his mom said no and then ronnie is is going to marry loretta and like everybody comes together and confronts each other like rose confronts cosmo about the affair anyway apparently that scene was a bitch to shoot (laughs) um i didn't really think about it before but it's all in one location it's all in this kitchen and so it's hard to make it interesting and like mm. basically Jewison had them, Norman Jewison had them all uh, rehearse it like a play, like kind of exhaustively before they started. So he could figure out where to put the camera, like what was going to be happening. And that was actually really hard to do. And then apparently Nicolas Cage did not want to film that day. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he kind of like kind of pitched a small fit. And they and they kind of the older actresses had to kind of Julie Bavasso kind of had to trick him, I guess. She kind of like pretended to have another fit or something. I'm getting some of the details wrong, but basically Julie Bavasso found out a way to trick him into being in the scene. But it was very it was a very dramatic day of shooting. <laughs> so he was already so Nicolas Cage as a young actor was already being like like pr- like just like a prima donna. I, wow. I mean, it doesn't sound like he was a prima donna for the whole shoot. It sounded he was like already he, like a Coppola. He's like, I'm a Coppola, okay. <laughs> well, I mean, but he purposely changed his name to Cage because he didn't want to be associated with like just the oh, Coppola. Oh, I suppose. But if I, everybody knows, 
I want to defend him a little bit because it sounds like it sounds like he wasn't like that for the whole film. But like that particular day, I guess he felt awkward in the scene. Like he's like, why am I in this scene? And like he was also the youngest person on the set. You have to keep that. He's like 23. So listen to the commentary, judge for oneself. I guess (laughs) another interesting thing about Nicolas Cage is I guess Nobody wanted him for the film except Cher and Norman Jewison. The studio didn't want him. So Cher actually said that she wasn't going to do the film unless Nicolas Cage was cast. That's how strongly she felt. That's how strongly she felt about him. And she really liked his performance, particularly in Peggy Sue Got Married. So I thought that was that was another interesting thing I learned from the commentary and the That's interesting because if you ever listen to Kathleen if you ever listen to Kathleen Turner talk about her time with uh, Nicolas Cage, it's like uh, a completely different time. Interesting. <laughs> she she's like, yeah, he's horrible. <laughs> she's he's terrible. Is that from like some commentary or just commentary? Like- yeah, she's she's very open about it. She'll talk about it anywhere, anytime. She'll talk about it in commentaries, um, other movie commentaries. In fact, besides just that one. <laughs> All right. Wow. So a movie that he's not in. She's like, let me just tell you. Back in past- yeah, no, she's like, like she's really like, oh, that day was like shooting with Nicolas Cage on Pegasus Got Married when <sighs> you know he makes choices that are terrible and he you know tanks tanks what you're doing. Oh my goodness. Well, <laughs> I think the director is so important in this case too, because apparently Norman Jewison was constantly bringing Nicolas Cage down and bringing shares acting up. Like she's very interior, he said. So he was always having to get them to the same kind of like level a little bit more, mm. like not exactly the same level. It was good that she was a little quieter and he was a little more extra, but like he had to kind of like level them off. And as somebody who's done a little bit of directing, like I thought that was really interesting. It is. Yeah. Cause this is Nicolas Cage's most un Nicolas Cagey film Mm -hmm. right Mm. he's like he's like most um level like normal-ish film that he's probably ever done maybe valley girl he's not very extra in valley girl but yeah yeah he's he gesticulates a lot in valley girl Mm. oh yeah yeah i'll have to we'll see it again sometime we'll see yeah yeah so I mean, it's, it's hard for, I mean, Nicolas Cage is Nicolas Cage. And I love Nicolas Cage. He's very, he's very cagey. That's who he is. <laughs> oh yeah. And that reminds me, I told Sybil this before, but like, I, I actually saw an outdoor screening of Moonstruck once with my husband in Baltimore, Maryland in their oh. little Italy. And there was a bunch of kids who came to see this outdoor screening. And like when Nicolas Cage's name came on the screen, they like all clapped and they looked like they were there just to see Nicolas Cage, but like in an ironic way. Or whatever, because they kept laughing at him at first, like and every time he showed up, and that was what they were interested in. But like totally by the end of the movie, they had just like stopped their ironic laughing. They were like all about the movie. And you could tell like you saw something shift in them. And it was mm. it was beautiful. It was beautiful to see the power of good storytelling. It's true. And they, they were they had been moonstruck. <laughs> anyway, do you guys is there more that you guys feel like you want to say? Like I feel like we've come we've we've covered quite a bit of ground. I, we have. Yeah, we have. I think. I think. I think we've said all the things. I mean, you good, Sophia? Yeah, totally. With um, the idea that we'll definitely think of something we wanted to say, like you know, later. But oh well. <laughs> of course, right tonight I'll be like, oh, I wish I'd said. Ah, oh, I forgot to mention. I. I mean, if you wanted to go yeah. through every scene, no. Tell <laughs> you know. That no. will be a different. That will be a different podcast called Sophia Reenacts Famous Movies, which I completely <laughs> sign off on you doing, and I will completely listen to. <laughs> Thanks. Maybe. Maybe. But Can yeah, for now, we've just do. got, this is Every Rom-Com, and you can find us at everyromcom.com, and you can also email us at feedback at everyromcom.com. 
And yeah, thank you for listening. And thank you, Sophia and Sybil, so much for participating in this with a first-time podcast host who is still trying to figure out what she's doing. Oh, thanks for having me, Jen. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll see you again.